0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to New Life. I'm Pastor Chris. For those of you who are new, uh, I'm the lead pastor here, and we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Last night, we had the opportunity to do something that was really special to me personally. Um, There was a little girl who was 10 years old back in 1990, and she was part of the church I was serving at the time, and she grew up as little girls do, and she moved away, and uh, recently she started coming to New Life, and so last night I had the opportunity to baptize her. Uh, which was really an amazing experience. And then there was another um, young woman uh, who was, uh, when she came here two years ago, uh, she was pretty sure there was no God, that God didn't exist. And now she's a believer in Jesus Christ, and she got baptized last night. And I, I want to tell you, that's, I, I get up in the morning because of stuff like that. I get up in the morning so that I can have the opportunity to tell people who don't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord that He is the true and living God That his father created everything. I love that song we just sang that said there's a billion skies. Well, I just read a thing uh, the other day that said that they believe there are 400 billion stars. 400 billion. No, it's 400 billion billion. Sorry, sorry. 400 billion billion. That's a lot of billions. Anyway, it's a lot of stars. And there's a God who created all that. And his son Jesus came to the earth to give us a life that's truly life now and forever. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for human sin. And we believe that. I mean, everything I'm saying... I believe with every fabric of my being, and so does this church. And so if you're new here, we need to tell you that uh, that while things look different and maybe sound different and seem different here at New Life than the average church in the area, um, we believe fervently that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that there is no other hope in the world than him. And after he died, the coolest thing ever is he rose again from the dead and uh, he went back to heaven where he came from, and uh, He sent His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Himself and His Heavenly Father, so that we can have power to live our lives every day. And uh, so today we're going to be talking once again, as you saw on the um, the uh, what's that thing called bumper? Uh, we're going to be talking about the seven deadly sins. And the seven deadly sins are uh, actually just seven sins that uh, the Church uh, throughout history have come to decide that if you took those seven, probably all the other sins fit in one of those categories. And that they're called deadly, as all sin is deadly, because when we practice those, they keep us from pursuing God in Jesus Christ. And so we've already talked about pride. We talked about that on Easter Day. And then we talked about lust last week. Today we're going to talk about sloth. And then uh, next week it will be envy. No, I'm sorry. It will be greed and then envy and then anger and then gluttony. And the reason we're doing that is because one of the best ways to overcome sin in our lives is to understand it and to recognize the devil's methods as he seeks to distract us and keep our attention away from Jesus, because that's what sin is for. Sin is to keep us away from a relationship with God and from union with God in our lives. And the devil wants us to be focusing on one of those things rather than on Jesus. And today's sin, sloth, It's probably, I I would call it the subtlest of all the seven deadly sins. I mean, when everybody, you talk about pride, everybody knows that's bad, and lust, that's obviously bad, and anger, those things are all bad, but sloth, I mean, just, here's actually what what sloth is, uh, literal definition, it is habitual disinclination to exertion, indolence, laziness, And the challenge we face when it comes to sloth is that's what sloth was 3,000 years ago when King Solomon of Israel uh, talked about it in a book that we're going to look at in a bit called Proverbs. But today, it's that for sure. But in the age of technology and amusement, um, sloth can actually disguise itself as frenetic activity. I mean, for instance, if you sit and play video games for eight hours, that's sloth. That's um, That's not actually work. And yeah, it's fun, but it's actually not doing anything useful. And so we're going to talk about sloth today in the context of our take-home point, which for those of you who are new, every week we have a take-home point, which we hope that we'll all take home and think about it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's the same take-home point for all seven weeks. We've never done that before. Um, But the the take-home point's three parts. It's things are not what they seem, and there's a war going on, and uh, you play a vital role in the outcome. And the reason things are not what they seem when it comes to sloth is, as I said, sloth is this, uh, you know, habitual disinclination to exertion. We all know sloth that way, laziness. But what we may not realize is that sloth is also, you know, binge watching a season of uh, some show that you like. I guess unless you were binge watching Netflix, and I'm not Netflix, (laughs) Right now, media, which is the Netflix of Christian television. You know, right now, media. You could watch seven shows uh, about how to love your wife more or or to to have a better marriage. You could watch those. That probably wouldn't be sloth because you'd be investing your life in something useful. But we all know in this age of technology that sometimes sloth dresses itself up in uh, workout clothes, right? But it's still sloth because at the end of the day, it's still wasting our time and our lives. So the other thing is there's this war going on. And what's the war? It's it's a very specific war. Uh, We we call the whole series Make War. It's war uh, against the devil, really. It's a spiritual war. It's the war between the forces of God, which hopefully we're on that side, and then the forces of the devil. And the devil has already lost, but the devil has not quit. And until Jesus comes back and establishes eternal reign, the devil is going to continue to fight battles, and primarily against us, because he knows that God loves us, and so the devil hates anything that God loves because he has rejected God's reign in his life and he wants us to do the same. And then finally, you play a vital role in the outcome, so do I. That, that doesn't mean the outcome of whether the devil wins or whether the devil loses, he already lost, but whether our lives get lived to the glory of God and the honor of God and that we really actually have a life that, that matters here while we're here during the you know, 10, 20, 50, 80, 100 years that we have on the earth until we go and, and spend eternity with God or, or apart from God. So let's turn now to the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. And as I said, King Solomon wrote it. And he was considered to be the, uh, the wisest man who ever lived before Jesus. And uh, he also was the son of the greatest king of Israel. He was the son of King David. So... In this passage we're going to read from Proverbs chapter 30 or 24 I'm sorry verses 30 to 34. We're going to see what happens when we habitually are disinclined to exertion. This is what it says. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles, it was covered with weeds and it was, its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your truth, which once again is, <clears throat> is a hard truth. And we know that as we read it, um, we are made aware of how things work in your world. And that when we don't work, uh, there's a, a logical outcome of that. And God, we thank you uh, that Solomon gave us uh, not only an example, but also a principle by which we can live our lives. And we pray that you would open our spirits today to your Holy Spirit, that we might hear your truth uh, as we reflect on these words from King Solomon, and that we might live them out in such a way that we will love you more effectively and more deeply, and that we will serve you well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first point that King Solomon made about sloth is this. Sloth is connected with a lack of common sense. You remember we read that in the very first verse. We read this morning, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. And some translations say with a lack of judgment or a lack of understanding, but the point is the same. It isn't very smart to be lazy, I mean, that's what King Solomon is saying. It's just not smart to be lazy. And why is that? Because God created us to work. I don't know if you realize that. Some people think work is part of the punishment that God gave to people when we sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, the idea of many people is that when they were cast out of the garden, then they had to work. Well, no. God created human beings to work, six days a week to work and one day a week to rest. That was the pattern of life in the Garden of Eden when everything was perfect. Adam and Eve would work six days, and then they would rest one day. And, And God actually set that day of rest aside. We call it the Sabbath. We still use that term, the Sabbath. It's a day of rest, but it's more than just rest from physical work. It's also a time when we reflect on God and on all of His goodness, It's a time for worship and praise, as we can worship and praise God through our work. So when we don't do that, when we don't live our lives in the way that God designed us, it's not smart. It doesn't, it, there's not a lot of common sense involved. And the reason that sloth is so deadly is because it permeates our lives and it takes our focus off of who God created us to be and what God created us to do. When we are distracted... Either because we're not doing anything useful whenever we, you know, as he said, we're folding our hands to rest a little more than we ought to, or when we're involved in this activity that has no meaning or no purpose in the grand scheme of things, we forget that we were created for God's glory. We were created to enjoy God and and glorify him forever. And when we do that, it's obviously a sign that we're just not using the mind that God gave us to live in effective ways. So I want to use a little analogy to show how our lives are supposed to be and, and how they are when we get distracted from work and from rest. And, and those two things in cycle, and obviously at the end of every day we rest, but then we have a whole day of rest each week. When we get out of that cycle, what happens is our lives, instead of sparkling, instead of being bright and vibrant, they're just sort of black and white. Or, or, or maybe, like, I can show you on these screens. See that screen over there and that screen over there? And, and see that screen right there? This is like, this is when we're not in focus, all right? Can you tell the difference? This is regular color, this is HD, all right? Maybe if you don't have good vision, then this isn't working for you. But if you have good vision, you can see there's a big difference, okay? And just imagine if those were in black and white, my hair would be the same color, but everything else would be different, right? So when we live our lives without common sense, When we don't live according to God's will and purpose in our lives, they're not all they were intended to be. So the next thing that Solomon tells us is the result of sloth is deterioration. The result of sloth is deterioration. So remember what he noticed about the field of the lazy person? It says this, I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. You see, we can hide the consequences of some of the sin in our lives. I mean, there are certain sins that we commit. Nobody ever finds out about it. And nobody will ever find out about it until we go see Jesus. When we go see Jesus, he's going to remind us of all the sins we ever committed. But, and and if you don't believe that, we'll talk about that on another day. But anyway, but what happens with sloth is everybody knows we're slothful because there's a logical and inevitable consequence. If you don't work your fields, they get overgrown with weeds. That's in 3000 years ago. Well, we don't most of us don't work fields these days, but we all have heard or seen, you know, reports on television about the person whose house had just piled every room filled with garbage, right? And there might be mental illness involved there, but there's certainly a lack of common sense involved there. And the point is, when we don't engage our lives the way God created us to engage them, when sloth becomes the the pattern of our lives, everything around us doesn't look the way it should. And and we see sloth in our own lives because, you know, we start a project, but we don't finish it. Or or we actually don't, don't even start the project. Or, or perhaps uh, whenever we uh, go outside, we see our own like flower beds or gardens are covered with weeds. And I, and I know I'm starting to meddle here, and it, you know and I'm getting away from preaching. And I'm starting to meddle in, in our lives. But that's what happens whenever we talk about sin, any kind of sin. It, it moves to meddling because none of us like to be reminded that we're sinners. None of us like to be reminded even that we're redeemed sinners and that if we don't focus our lives in a way that's intentional, they will never become everything that God created them to be. In Jesus Christ. So the next thing that King Solomon did is he gave us what we would call the rule of sloth, if you will. He said this Too much of a good thing results in destruction. Too much of a good thing results in destruction. King Solomon looked at the fields of the slothful man and he said, Here's a simple rule or principle. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So remember, rest, slumber, and Sabbath are not bad. God created them. God wants us to rest. God wants us to sleep at night. God wants us to have a day of rest each week. Those are all good things. That's not what's bad. What what Solomon said is the rule is a little extra sleep, a a little more slumber, a, a little extra folding of the hands to rest, and that's when... He said poverty comes. Now, in his day, 3,000 years ago, that's actually what happened. Whenever you didn't work your fields, you came to poverty. But how many of you have a vineyard? Anybody here have a vineyard? Hmm, nobody did last night either. See, you know, we don't have vineyards. But, But what we do have is we have work that allows us to go to the store and buy food or buy clothes or go online and order it and have it delivered to our front door, right? But if we don't work, then we don't get to do those things. If we don't do what God created us to do, there's a natural consequence, and that's what Solomon is saying. In fact, he says it's like a bandit comes and takes your stuff, but but it's you who were, you and I were actually the bandit if we if we're practicing sloth in our everyday lives. And one of the things that happens so often in our day, I've seen it over and over and over again, is we tend to not start the things we know we ought to do, we 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 don't finish the things that we get started. And even sometimes we just do stuff half-heartedly, and we say, oh, well, you know, that project's due next week in school, what difference does it make? I'll just do whatever, and whatever I get, I don't care. That's sloth in our lives. And I know a great deal about sloth. I really do. Because of all the seven deadly sins, that's the one that has had the most impact in my life negatively. It's the one that in my everyday life has caused me to miss out on you know, the high definition color picture that God wants for my life, and it's been you know, sometimes just regular color, sometimes black and white, sometimes just gray. And, and you might say, if you know me well, you might say, Pastor Chris, I don't believe it. I, I don't think you're lazy. Well, you don't get to see me, all the time. You only get to see me up here, or maybe you get to see me, you know, when I'm working in a building or whatever. You get to see me when I'm active, when I'm doing the things I ought to be doing. But how about this? I don't do this anymore, but I used to do this all the time. When I would finish writing a message, I would say, whoa, that was hard. And it was hard, you know, to get that all written down and everything and hear from God and all that. And so I'd say, I need a break. And everybody needs a break after hard work, right? So I'd say, well, I'll just play a little game of spider solitaire, which I would. And if I won, then I'd say, Well, that felt good, maybe I'll do it again. And if I lost, I'd say, well, I can't quit when I'm losing, right? So I'd have to play another game, and then I'd have to play another game until I won. And then once I won, I thought, well, I wonder if I could win two in a row. Next thing I knew, it was a half hour later, right? So I don't even have Spider Solitaire on any of my computers anymore. But the point is, you know, it's not bad to play a game of Spider Solitaire, I guess. It probably not, doesn't help you that much. Maybe I guess it helps you with numerical skills. I don't know. But what I'm saying is a half hour spider solitaire, that's sloth. And what I know is there have been many times when I had to do something I didn't really want to do, and so I just did it half-heartedly. And doing stuff half-heartedly because I don't want to do it, that's sloth. And there have been times where I've gone through an entire day, and I've been worrying about this and worrying about that, and I've been so busy, but I haven't been focused on God. And when I'm not focused on God and putting him first and living the life that he created me to live, in a a, a very clear way, that is also sloth because it's really lazy not to take the energy and time and effort to put God first in our lives because that is work. And when we do it, then our lives are lived out in that kind of way that he calls us to. And each of us has a different calling in our lives, but all of us are called by God to do whatever it is he called us to do with all of our strength. And when we don't, that sloth. So the, the, the reality that we uh, have in our lives is sloth always sort of looks like this in, in this culture, not a culture of agriculture, but a culture you know where we work at you know, trades or we work in service. It is we don't accomplish what God created us to accomplish. We don't accomplish what God created us to accomplish. And so if sloth is a habitual disinclination to exertion, and it is, it's also a habitual exertion to activities and processes that will never bring sparkle, color, or high definition to our lives. And and all you have to do is sit there this morning and think about the last time you had an activity to do. Did you do it with all your heart? Did you do it in such a way that when you were done, God was pleased and you were pleased? Or or did you just say, wow, man, that's going to be hard, so maybe I'll just take a little break before I get started here. Get rested up before I go. I mean, nothing wrong with that either, but did you take then the whole day or did you just say well maybe I'll just watch a little you know turn on ESPN and see what's on today and then the next thing you know it's time to go to bed and you forgot to do anything that would honor God with your time. And you know when we waste our time, you know what we're wasting, right? Our lives. Because our time is our lives. And Um, In order to gain victory over sloth, we're going to have to surrender completely to Jesus and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give that same answer for every single one of uh, these challenges that we face. If we want to overcome sloth in our life, we have to give in to the Holy Spirit, let him control what we do in our daily lives. And last night I, I said to the folks, you know, I knew I was preaching about sloth this weekend, so guess what I did yesterday? I got up and I spent my hour with God. And then I went out and I worked in the yard. I mulched, you know, I pulled weeds first because you know, I don't want my thing to be overgrown with weeds and nettles and all that, right? And then I, I mulched and stuff like that for until lunchtime. And then I went back in and I, I did some uh, work on the prayer guide that's gonna be coming out tomorrow for May, and then I got prepared on my message again and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, then I came in here and, well, no, actually I had a wedding yesterday, so I did a wedding. Then I had a counseling appointment, and then I had church. And uh, and then I and actually I looked down at my my little Fitbit here and I said whoa at that point I had walked twenty four thousand steps by the end of the day I walked fifteen miles yesterday so that doesn't sound like sloth right <laughs> it sounds like pride but it doesn't sound like sloth okay so so anyway so anyway anyway the point is these sermons work these sermons work because I had preached this sermon to myself like seven times before I preached it to any of you. And as I prepared it and as I thought about it and as I wrote about it, I just started praying, God, I don't want to waste my life. I'm 60 years old and I don't know how many years I have left, but however many years it is or days it is or whatever, minutes it is, I want to use them all to your glory and honor and praise. And so as as you listen this morning and you hear about these things, God might have been convicting you about a certain thing, a certain activity or several activities that you haven't been doing or have been doing. Maybe you've been working too much because it's six days of work, one day of rest. Maybe, you know, I I heard a guy one time, he came to me and he was bragging, I "I worked 53 days in a row without a day off. And I looked at him, I said, it it was a relative, I said, man, that's stupid. And I'm usually a little more polite with you all, but, but the bottom line is, you know, it's not smart to work 53 days in a row without a day off because God said work six, rest one. On the other hand, if somebody would come to me and say, well, you know, I've been resting for six days because I got that one day of big work to do, you know, that wouldn't be good either. The, the, and, and here's the thing that, that I see happening over and over and over again in life is people just don't have a proper connection. And, and I'm, I'm starting with me. I'm not, when I say people, I mean us, not you all. You know, it's, I, I, you'll notice that I hardly ever point my finger when I preach, because I don't have any. I don't, I'm not better than you all when it comes. Especially this one. Um, I'm, I'm working the same as you. But I want to give us a little illustration about how God creates us. This is a wonderful thing. And when you see it, I think immediately you're gonna you're gonna identify what I'm talking about, and something goes wrong along the way. Here's my question, is have you ever seen a lazy two-year-old? Have you ever seen a lazy two-year-old? I haven't. I mean, I've been around for a long time. I've never seen a lazy two-year-old. Two-year-olds get up in the morning, and they go, wow. You know, in fact, Tom Beaudet, everybody ever heard of Tom Beaudet? Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you. Tom Beaudet wrote a book. It's sort of a biography. And whenever his little kid was two years old, they were at a hotel. I think it was a hotel or friend's house. I don't remember. Probably wasn't a Motel 6. But anyway, um, they were away and the little boy was sleeping in the same room that his mom and dad were. And so Tom woke up and his little boy was still sleeping. And then the little boy woke up, and there, there was a sunrise that was visible outside the window of whatever the building was where they were staying. And the little kid looks out, and he goes, wow. Now, my point is, two-year-olds wake up with wow, you know, and then they go at frenetic activity throughout the day. Now, they are sinners just like we are, but they're not lazy. They see life filled with sparkle. They, they see the high-definition screen. They don't see this one or the black-and-white one. But somewhere along the way, it changes. So who do you think changes that? God? Of course not. It isn't God who changes that. It's the devil. The devil is the one who wants us to wake up in the morning and go, oh, man. You know, I mean, you've all probably heard this one before. You know, some people wake up and they say, good morning, Lord. Some people wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning, right? And that's, you know, that's the difference between the two-year-old might not know Jesus, but they wake up and go, "Woo." And other people wake up and go, uh And this one here is, is the way of the devil. The devil wants us to believe that life is not important, that people are not interesting, that there is no God, and that you might as well just get used to it because life is just going to be a, you know, a humdrum, waste of time, hard work, never going to have any joy till you die, and then that's it. But, but God says something totally, totally different. He says, I created you. You know, in fact, if you look at Ephesians 2, he, he, he redeemed us because we sinned. And then it says, I created you for good works. So that, that we, we're God's masterpiece, it says in Ephesians 2.10. It's one of the verses everybody should have underlined in their Bible if they don't, you know. God has a plan for us that's amazing. And here's the thing I want to, I want to remember. I want everybody to remember. There's never a time Never a time in our lives whenever we get to put down our crosses and pick up a fishing pole or a golf club or a remote control and say, I've had enough, I'm done, it's somebody else's turn. I've heard that over and over and over again. In fact, I was preaching a few years back and I said, you'll never find the word retirement in the Bible. If you do, I'll give you 50 bucks. And so Mariah, Lily Montgomery now, she came up to me and said, it does say that you have to retire if you're a priest when you're 50 years old. So I gave her the 50 bucks, but it's a technicality. It's a technicality because they're not allowed to be the head priest anymore. But they're still supposed to help the other priests. You see, they don't get to go pick up their fishing pole, their golf club, or their remote control. They still get to work. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And he told all of us to do that. It's not just my job. It's not just Brad's job or the staff out here at the church. It's everybody's job. And whether we're going across the street or across the ocean, we get to go into all. We get to. We don't have to. We get to. And as we go, we're going to meet people along the way. And it might be our neighbor. And it might be some person from a different culture. But what we're going to find out is that God created that person to experience his truth and love through Jesus Christ. And we might be the person that he sent to do it. And if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. So retirement may be a thing when it comes to work, the job you have. But it's not a thing when it comes to living the life in Jesus Christ. For the rest of our lives, we are called to you know, exercise in such a way the way we live. From the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed, that there's this relationship of work and rest. And maybe our work becomes just telling people about Jesus for full time. Or maybe our work becomes, you know, parking lot ministry. Or maybe our work becomes hospitality. Or maybe our work becomes sitting with our neighbor who's dying of cancer. Or maybe our work becomes, I don't know what your work might become. But I know this, there will be six days of it every week. And then there will be one day of rest. Because that's God's plan, not mine. And certainly, if we do it that way, then God will be glorified. And at the end of the day, which I mean the end of the last day when we go see Jesus, he's going to be telling us what an amazing life that we lived in him. Now, here's the thing. Many of us, I'm at the top of this list, have not done all of that the way we ought to have done it so far. So here's what we can do. It's a very simple thing. We, uh, the solution is to repent. Repent to turn back away from that and back to God. We ask him to forgive us for what we have done so that now we can get that clean slate that he promises and that he died on the cross through Jesus Christ to give us so that we can take from this day forward. You see, we can't live yesterday again or last year or whatever. And so many people are so upset about yesterday, they don't live today. So I have a prayer that I want us to look at, and uh, I actually want you to pray it with me, but I don't want you to pray it with me until you look at it first. So on the screen, this is a prayer of repentance. It says, Dear God, I confess I've been wasting my time and wasting my life. Right now I turn away from that. Forgive me, God, and restore me to a right relationship with you. Fill me anew with your Holy Spirit so I will have the energy to do what brings life to me and others and give me wisdom to maintain a healthy connection between work and rest. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if if that's a prayer that you genuinely want to pray, we're going to pray it now, all of us who want to. You don't have to, but if you want to, would you pray with me? Dear God, I confess I have been wasting my time and wasting my life. Right now I turn away from that. Forgive me, God, and restore me to a right relationship with you. Fill me anew with your Holy Spirit, so I will have the energy to do what brings life to me and others, and give me wisdom to maintain a healthy connection between work and rest, this I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Now I know that for some of you that prayer would not make sense, because in order for it to make sense, Jesus would have to be Lord of your life, Savior of your life, and if He isn't yet, then there's another prayer that I want you to see that uh, that you may need to pray today, and it says this again. Please just look at it. It says, Heavenly Father. I acknowledge you haven't been first in my life. Right now I confess I'm a sinner. That means I haven't done God's will. I need you in my life. Forgive me and become Lord of my life by your son Jesus. Lord means owner. I receive the payment he made for my sins. That, That is, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live the new life you're giving me. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now that prayer you only need to pray one time because after you pray that prayer one time, then he is in your life and, and maybe you need to pray, pray the one we prayed before. But right now, if there's any in the room who, who need to pray this prayer, I'm gonna pray it out loud again and you can pray it aloud or silently. God will hear either way and, uh, and ask Jesus to do what needs to be done so you can start that new life that will be so much different. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge you haven't been first in my life. Right now I confess I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. Forgive me and become Lord of my life by your son Jesus. I receive the payment he made for my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live the new life you are giving me. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So life is a gift. and eternal life is an eternal gift. And the best way that we say thank you to God for giving us that, lift, that, that those gifts is by living the life we have in high definition. By taking every moment that we have and distilling out of it everything we can, whether it's resting or whether it's working. And, and, and putting our efforts into things that matter in my life, the things that matter after God, you know, I and mean, I do need to invest time first with Him, but I need to invest time in Nancy, my wife, and my children, even though they're adults, I still need to invest time with them. And then I need to invest life, my life with you all because that's my work. But you could fill in the blank differently, but whatever it is, the best way to take the gift of life that God has given us and say thank you is by living it to the fullest. So here's today's commitment I will make war on sloth through Jesus' resurrection power this week. So, how can we know if we've done that? How can we know if we're actually making war on sloth through Jesus' resurrection power, through the Holy Spirit's presence in our life? Well, simple we will work diligently six days a week. And if you only have a five day a week job, then you know the the one day you can work on something else diligently and then you rest and, and renew in that sixth seventh day. And I want to talk to you who are teenagers right now. If you're in school, middle school, high school right now and you look at that statement I just made and you say, wait a minute, Pastor Chris, you said that work six days and rest, you know, one day. Well I don't really have a job. Well you do you go to school five days a week. But here's the thing many of you tell me you have school five days a week and you're doing three other activities and you have a job. So then how could you have a a faithful connection between work and rest? Well, you can't. It's pretty much that simple. And now I want to talk to parents. You know, if you have your children going to school five days a week and working a job and doing three other activities, you're robbing them of the opportunity to have that connection between work and rest that God calls. And really, you're robbing the sparkle out of their lives, and they're going to tend uh, tend to to grow up uh, with an improper balance towards work. On the other hand, if you're a parent and you let your children do nothing after they come home from school except for play video games or binge watch television or whatever it might be, then you're not doing them any favors either. Because our children need to know not only what we say, but they need to look at us too. And they will. In fact, our children won't always believe what we say, but they will always believe what we do. So if we have a proper connection between work and rest, then it's more likely that they will. Not necessarily true, but most likely it's true. So, here's the thing that I want to conclude with. We live in a world where sloth and busyness compete to destroy our lives. We live in a world where sloth and busyness compete to destroy our lives. Both sloth and busyness are tools of the devil. Sloth is obviously a tool of the devil. And when I say busyness, I mean doing stuff that doesn't matter. Okay, keeping busy. Because busyness is just sloth dressed up in workout clothes. That's all it is. And the devil doesn't care. He really doesn't care if we're lazy or if we're just doing stuff that doesn't matter because either way, it will keep us away from God. It will keep us away from community with those who, uh, that, he created, or that God created us to be with, our brothers and sisters in the Lord and those who are seeking to determine whether they want to be our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So how do we overcome it? We already said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Imagine what it'll be like this week when we take every moment, every moment, and when we put it before God and we say, God, I don't want to do a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands. I don't want to do that. And I don't just want to do frenetic activity. I want you to lead. I want you to guide. And that, that will probably mean you still wake up tomorrow and go to school or go to work, whatever it is that you do. Stay with your children and take care of them. But you'll do it with a new joy, a new sparkle, if you will, that you'll do it with this high definition. And the bottom line is we can do that. Every minute we can do that if the Holy Spirit is leading us. He's already in us if, he's our, if Jesus is our Savior and Lord, and so we just have to release him to work in us. It's that simple. It's not that easy. It's that simple. Just say, Jesus, right now, I ask your spirit to lead and guide this moment, this activity, and then when you're done, take a break, and after the break, hopefully not four hours later if you've only worked for two hours, right? But after the break, then you say, now what? And just moment by moment, have that conversation with God throughout the day. And at the end of that day, it's going to be a, a day where Jesus will say, well done. And, and and one day added to the next, added to the next, added to the next. That's a life of well done. And when you mess up, and you will, and I will, and we all will then turn back. Repent. Go back to God. Start over again. (laughs) Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the simplicity of your truth. And now we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit because while it's simple, it's not easy. And God, we ask today that in our lives, and particularly when it comes to this sin of sloth, that you will show us when we're working too much and when we're not working enough, when we're resting too much, when we're not resting enough. God, we don't want... A life that at the end of the life, we look back and regret that we didn't do what we could. We want a life that starting today will be a life that we'll be able to look back on and say thank you. Thank you, God, for your gifts of life and eternal life. And we give you praise because you have created us for a life that sparkles, a life in high definition, a life where there's meaning and purpose in every moment. And for that, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.